1: Big week for Penn State football, big week for the Blue-White Illustrated Daily Edition as we try to cover all of the news that's flying around from Penn State football, from recruiting to the transfer portal to coaching changes. Of course, we earlier this week broke down everything with Brent Pry going to Virginia Tech, and we're going to follow that up today with Nate Bauer, our senior editor of Blue-White Illustrated, talk about the flip side of, okay, what happens for Penn State as far as the coaches and the coaching search got a couple of names that we're going to drop today so uh first off happy holidays Nate how you doing
0: I'm I'm great T Frank I'm watching the Beatles documentary and it's really good I actually I finished it and so if we could talk about that instead of Penn State football today that'd be great
1: you would have to tell me about it cuz I have not watched it it's on HBO right it's on the it's on
0: Disney actually oh yeah which, that's right uh but it's good it's really really good it's are you it's like are you a Beatles fan you know I, I don't know if I would qualify as a 37 year old you know that's why but I asked. like but yeah but I've 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 listened to all their albums I, I'm I'm you know I would consider myself like fairly familiar I just I know what real fandom looks like in anything and yeah. I, I wouldn't consider myself a fan of anything because of that
1: Okay, well that's fair. But I mean like you have listened to all of the Beatles albums is what you're saying. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. I've never listened to the Beatles albums front to back. I've as a person who exists on the planet, I've heard plenty of Beatles songs plenty of times. But I would not consider myself anyone who knows anything about the band other than just being alive in pop culture and i worked some in radio so that's about it so i would consider yeah. you a fan if you have said you've listened to all of their music uh, sure okay all right yeah. i'll take that no yeah, they're, they're, they're there's good. always there's, crazy people right yeah yeah
0: yeah no like i don't ha- i don't have uh you know like a john lennon like used handkerchief in my like show you know like yes yeah. which exists there are you know people who get to that level
1: is but, there is there like a Beatle con? Is there like a, a like a convention oh my goodness. for Beatles yeah. fans?
0: There has to be. Yeah. There, I'm, somebody that's watching andor listening to this can weigh in. I'm absolutely certain of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's gotta be. Um uh, there one thing that I know that we have a lot of is Penn State football fans that watch the show that are that do <laughs> they do categorize as both casual and devout in their fandom either way. So even for the people that aren't that, we've got some stuff to talk about today when it comes to Penn State's coaching search. I don't have any other questions about the Beatles. That's really – I was out of material there. So let's go to what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> sure. Yeah,
0: no, I mean, look, it's 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 funny because uh, I, I should have included this in my opening remarks. But, uh, you know, you, you get done with the season, right? So, like, there's this grind of 13 weeks, 12 games. Um, And then it ends, and uh, as a reporter, I'm just speaking for myself, you think to yourself, like, uh, take a deep breath, relax, right? But That's not how it works. No. (laughs) That is not how it works. It actually gets more busy. There's more stuff going on. And so um, I'll tell you one thing it does
1: do for me is that I actually have space in my brain to think about something other than X's and O's. I, I, for the first time I've had a chance to, I took a deep dive into the Penn state offensive line recruiting this week because I just had time, you know, to look at stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but it's the irony to it is that the the things that are happening right now and that have happened this week are so much more important than any of the games that were just played. (laughs) <laughs> right like for for the future of the program right I mean you, you you can't say enough about Brent Pry uh and what his impact on Penn State football has been over the last eight years and and for a variety of reasons I don't think that the way that you know because some of the questions that we've gotten this week have been about changing scheme and you know where they want to go from here and I, I think if anything has been represented, or demonstrated over the last six years with Brent Pry at defensive coordinator is that his plan, right, like the fundamentals of what Penn State wants to do and wants to be on defense is solid. Like they, I don't think they want to change that at all. It, right, if you could clone Brent Pry and keep him at Penn State, that would be James Franklin's ideal. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, 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 do think there's always an opportunity for a little bit of tweaking, um, John Scott right after Sean Spencer was maybe a little bit of a demonstration of that, yeah. that, that even things that are good or that have been very successful for you can still change, um, a, a little bit like tweaks to be made, but, um, generally speaking, yeah, I mean this is this is the route that Penn State wants to go, right? Stop yeah. the run and create turnovers.
1: Yeah. And so that was one thing that, that James Franklin mentioned this year a couple times. And, and before we get into the defensive coordinator search, and you mentioned that just because it, it piques my interest, what did you think of Penn State's pass rush this year, knowing that they weren't selling out for sacks? That was a part of the conversation of they were going to do more to keep quarterbacks in the pocket because they felt like yep. they were being burned by scrambles and guys getting out into space. So how do you think that went, considering no other player other than Arnold Ebakiti cracked 15 pressures from the edge?
0: Yeah, I, I think that... Um, you know, probably a little bit of a mixed bag because Mm -hmm. they, they weren't gashed in the run from quarterbacks on third and long, but they did get gashed in the pass on third and long, right? Like, I mean, that, I mean, obviously recency bias is part of what I'm saying here, but that was the story of the Michigan State game, was they couldn't get off the field. Yep. Um, as right in, in an otherwise fairly good performance for oh, the conditions yeah. and for everything, right? I mean, yep, uh they, they were they were able to stop um or to limit Michigan State's running backs. I mean, he got all of his carries on four four carries or all of his yards on four carries. Um, and and those things were positive for Penn State, but because of what you're saying that lack of that lack of pressure uh, from the third down pass
1: rush, especially was, was where it was lacking.
0: Yeah, no. And it crushed them. I mean, they, they, Peyton Thorne made them pay for it. So no, I mean, I think, I think again, like this is, this is just where things become a little bit of a slog in bringing them up again, but would a Isaac
1: change that? Yeah. I mean, truthfully, they, they did not have another guy that proved from from the film review either that they were quality pass rushing elements. Nick Tarburton, he didn't bring a power physicality to the edge and Jesse Lucchetta for his athletic and as great as he was with his hands. He never got pressure on the quarterback like he he hadn't learned that skill in his transition to defense end yet. So they didn't they really didn't have another guy opposite of Ebikiti that could get pass rush. Smith Vilbert was a guy you and I talked about this year as far as athleticism length and size that really didn't play a lot. And also when he yep. was on the field did not make an impact. So, yeah, uh, you know, not having another guy with that profile definitely hurt.
0: Yeah, not nah, and and. It becomes a question for next year, too. Right? Yeah. Like uh has gone and yeah. uh Jesse Lucetta is too, presumably. Yeah. Um, so that'll that'll that reopens this conversation that is is kind of a yearly thing because I think that for Penn State fans in particular, given what the recent history has been in terms of 40 plus sacks every year, this is a mark like, a big change for for Penn State's defense. It's it's a change in philosophy, it's a change in approach, and it's certainly a change in performance that I think they're going to be, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to skew entirely one way or the other, but you'd like to find a middle ground that clearly didn't exist this year.
1: Or be good at everything, which is what, most people want to be anyway. Why
0: not? Why
1: (laughs) not? So with all that in mind, all of those tweaks and conversations and personnel, defensive coordinator is the dominant conversation this week of Penn State losing their longtime defensive coordinator, James Franklin, as you wrote earlier this week, not only lost that, but one of his closest advisors and friends going to Virginia Tech as the next head coach of the Hokies and Brent Pry. What has the search so far and your research borne out as guys that Penn State fans can look to as names Aims in the process to hire a defensive coordinator.
0: Yeah, I, I just want to be a hundred percent forthcoming on this because it's important to me to not misrepresent anything. There is no information coming out of Lash. <laughs> Like it just doesn't exist. You
1: uh, know the difference they, between you and me and Ryan is that you guys have sources, and you are my sources. So I never sure. have this problem. I know yeah. exactly. People know exactly what they're getting from me is that it's not <laughs> that. So I appreciate it's, you 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 making that particular uh, that particular uh, statement to begin with. Well, I just I just think or it's important to.
0: because because without having named somebody here on Friday, right after the news was announced on Tuesday. For Brent Pry and Brent Pry explaining in his introductory press conference that James Franklin was aware of his impending departure, leading into the Michigan State game. Now we're talking about two weeks, basically. Mm-hmm. So there, there are so many uh, mechanisms that are involved in a hire like this, but it's it's also about what everybody else is doing. You've got you've got things that you want for sure but pieces are constantly moving. And and you've seen that this week, right? With with Brian Kelly moving, um, Lincoln Riley, like all of these staffs are just in constant flux. And so a guy who you might target might not be there by the time that you're actually ready to pull the trigger. Um, But beyond that, because of that situation, you can understand why the program and specifically James Franklin are fairly protective of the process, right? Right. Like you don't want, you don't want, um, necessarily us like you're competing against other schools. This is a game of poker. You need, you don't want people to see your cards. Correct. And so if, if guy X, his name is linked to you and athletic director Y at, at that guy's school finds out about it and is able to come back up over the top with a salary proposal, right? Or the head coach. I mean, just all of those different things. You can understand it. And so that's a long way of saying that, yeah, there are like five or six guys who make sense. Yeah. Who, who could possibly be, uh, you know, guys that Penn State targets or looks to. But, uh, you know, very much this is a situation where it could easily be somebody not on that list.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the the list itself, I think, as you pointed out, is built on, as James Franklin always talks about relationships, prior knowledge, comfort of of yep. people who fit within the program or fit within what they want, uh, as far as familiarity, recruiting, all of those things. And and yep. one thing that, as as far as position coaches go, Franklin has been targeting more guys that are player development experts, technicians at the position as well as recruiters. So that's another thing with this. I mean, that money that he got for the program in the last contract negotiation, this is, it's being put to the test pretty darn early uh, under this new 10 year agreement. So give me a couple of the names that stood out to you as far as logical fits or guys that you think are interesting in your article, which people can go read at bluewhiteillustrated.com.
0: So Elijah Robinson at Texas A&M, uh, defensive line coach, Penn State alum, whose career playing was cut short due to an injury of some variety. Um, he's kind of been a rising star, right, in in the coaching profession. And Texas A&M took him from uh, Baylor, I believe it was, when, and I think uh, at the time or a couple of times, Penn State has competed to get him before and has and has not been able to uh to to secure him so he's a he's a really strong recruiter that's his reputation is excellent as a recruiter uh and a strong developer of talent so like at at which position and that's the issue okay defensive line so how you know how does how does that work um you know for penn state another guy is jim Knowles, who is i mean let's be honest here anybody with money and a vacant defensive coordinator coordinator position is looking at this guy. Uh, Mm -hmm. His numbers for Oklahoma state have been tremendous this year. Um, He's a broils award finalist. Like he's, he's just, he's the hot name. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to make a splash, like Mike Yersage was a splash last year, this is a guy who would probably fit that bill. And then a a third name that uh, I, I think is interesting just for, you know, reasons that he ex- talked about. James Franklin talked about during the season is Derek Mason uh, at mm-hmm. at Auburn, right? A guy who James has a relationship with, a friendship with, a professional relationship, a colleague. Um, they've never they've never actually worked together. He has explained, but uh, you know, Derek Mason is a guy who's who has had a lot of success. He's he was the architect of. Stanford's really outstanding defense um in those early 2010 11 12 years when Stanford was was actually pretty good. So, no that those are those are a couple of choices and then I think you turned to Penn State guys, yeah. right? Like guys who guys who were already on Penn State staff. And so that list um you know would certainly include Terry Smith, who is a long-time guy and there's been some speculation as to whether or not he wants a head coaching job at some point in his career, before his career, you know, kind of winds down. He's not, he's not that old. Right. Um, Right. (laughs) He, you you know, uh, he, he's been coaching for a really long time. Uh, That's, that's one of the things that always stands out about these guys is they've got 25 years of coaching experience, but, you know, they're
1: <laughs> they started when they were 25. So exactly. exactly. <laughs> yes.
0: 24, 23. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so, no, those are those are a few of the guys. Sean Spencer is another guy who, um, you know, I, I think is an interesting thing to think about. It's just same deal with Elijah Robinson is first of all, are they defensive coordinator material? Is that what you would pursue them for? Right. Or would you pursue them with the interest of changing things up a little bit?
1: Um, You know, I don't know. The guy on your list that uh, I was thinking of and I mentioned on the Tuesday show as my early leading candidate would be safeties coach Anthony Poindexter. I'm currently right now working on an article today for BlueWideIllustrated.com of the top three PFF graded Uh, players and Jaquan Brisker makes you look really good is kind of what I found looking into some of the PFF data as far as a guy who came in and you could give Poindexter the credit of changing the defensive secondary to being what they were this year, but having that guy certainly helps. Is he a guy that makes sense as somebody who has defensive coordinator and co-defensive coordinator titles both previously and this past season at Penn State? Yep.
0: Yep, no doubt about it. He was a defensive coordinator at uh, UConn from 2014 to 2016. He was the co-defensive coordinator at Purdue before coming over to Penn State and doing the same thing, right? So, like, he took a lateral move. Uh, Obviously, uh, perception would be an upgrade in prestige in terms of the program, but the same responsibilities. Co-defensive coordinator and safeties at Purdue, co-defensive coordinator and safeties at Penn State. And so... Yeah, I think if you're connecting the dots, he is a guy who makes a ton of sense. And if I could, I think it probably makes sense to read a quote from James Franklin that he said during one of his radio shows this season about Poindexter. Um, the question that he was responding to was, you know, just kind of how the the um, the new assistants, Poindexter and Mike Yursich changed the program or how they were acclimating basically to the program quote uh i think that's where anthony poindexter is special he's obviously a very good football coach he's been a coordinator before he's got really good knowledge and experience and all those types of things but anthony is a relational person and he's great with our staff the staff loves him. He works hard, but while he's working hard, he's having fun, putting smiles on everybody's faces. Players love him. So he has really elevated our staff in terms of that. Uh To me, that reads and sounds like a guy who has a ton of respect yeah, in the program, right? Yep. Who, who made an immediate splash, is well-liked, you know, like kind of bridges... The divides between being a players coach who the players really gravitate toward, but also is a guy who, um, you know, has a has a positive, good impact on the rest of the staff and brings those elements of coordinating now right? you like calling you, a game
1: you are the uh, you are the quote guy who who knows what everybody says and i remember something from this year and i want to know if you can in peg who or when it was that james franklin mentioned this he said of the new hires at one point you know they come in and they sort of challenge what you're doing You know They they look at the best practices that they have and they can add some things. And and he mentioned that some of the guys that they brought in have have kind of upset the apple cart as far as changing what we've always done. And you don't always take all of that, but they do offer you perspective. So I I give some credit to that. Obviously, there's a a bunch of new hires. But one of the guys I pointed to in my mind of somebody who did that was Anthony Poindexter because it wasn't just the safeties that were making plays on the ball this year. So is that a fair thing? And, you know, is he a guy that Penn State can't lose this offseason? Because there is now an opening at West Virginia. Bronco Mendenhall has stepped down as the head coach. And Adam Rittenberg has has named Poindexter as one of the top targets for the head coaching job. So is he a guy Penn State can't lose?
0: Yeah, just just to clarify, uh, Virginia, um, the UVA is opening. What did I say? You said West Virginia. It's fine. I just want to. I did that out earlier
1: there. today when I was talking to somebody. I apologize. Thank you.
0: In, in any, uh, the significance to that is that he is a legend at yes. UVA.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so how many um, Virginia? By the way, we have two Virginias as states. How many schools do we have between yeah. Old Dominion, West Virginia? Like, yeah. Yeah. What's next, South
0: Virginia? Get out of here. <laughs> um, North Virginia is just Pittsburgh. Hot take. Yeah. <laughs> So no, so so he was just inducted into Virginia's Hall of Fame. Yeah, uh, it, it it seems very very clear that Virginia is going to target him as their next head coach. And so, if that's the case, if he's ready for that, if that's what Virginia wants to do in the aftermath of the the Hall news, then yeah, Penn State's probably got a, an uphill climb to sell defensive coordinator to him uh, against the head coaching position. So, but that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier is that all of these different wheels being in motion, it creates some, some challenges in terms of you might, you might have a guy, right. Who you want and you've identified and you're ready to give the job, but, uh, things change, things change. And so that's, that's what Penn state is, Likely going to have to compete with if that's who James Franklin wants as his next defensive coordinator.
1: So this is something that I've tried to point out to people over time when they talk about James Franklin as a coach and, you know, as an average coach or whatever. And sort of the the whole the whole picture of the conversation is James Franklin is an exceptional evaluator of talent, not just amongst players, but also amongst coaches. If you look at the, the number of coaches that have come through here and gone on to be promoted... James Franklin is targeting the right people for, for a program that has not won a national championship or been to the college football playoff. They have to have one of the highest turnovers of guys that are being poached by other programs because he brings in guys like Anthony Poindexter or a guy that people maybe don't even really remember in Jared Parker that was here for a year and then was the West Virginia offensive coordinator within less than a calendar year. So this is a part of the complex of part of the problem that James Franklin is trying to solve by Having more money to keep the guys he wants, is there enough money in the kitty? Do you think to keep Poindexter if head coach is there, or is that really there's there's nothing that's going to keep a guy from maybe what is his dream job? Like Brent Pry seems to feel that way about about Virginia Tech. Get my Virginia's right this time.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, look, like you can't compete with head coach at your alma mater. Yeah of which you are a college football hall of famer. That, that is, there, there is no amount of money that, I mean, maybe there is, I I don't know. Money talks obviously, but uh, no, that's, that's just, that's an impossible climb. And that's one that I think that James Franklin and Penn state can live with, right? You can't really have an objection to that. Uh, It's, uh, it's where this guy comes from and what he wants to do, if that's what he wants to do and that's what the offer it becomes then you know you say hey thanks for your service and uh, really wish you the best of luck. It's 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 the guys if the, if Brent Pry had left Penn State to become defensive coordinator at mm, let's say Michigan, right? Yeah. Now now you got a problem, <laughs> right? Like now now you're not happy because if it's a comparable program in terms of what you're trying to do where where you think you are on the level right like alabama might be a little bit different because they're so successful they're they're built for it but um teams that are on that second tier third tier whatever you want to call it however you want to contextualize it those are the ones who you cannot lose a coordinator to a lateral move i mean really what we're talking about with Purdue, right? Like yeah. if for for Purdue to lose Poindexter to what appears to be a lateral move has to be very, very frustrating, <laughs> right? Like that's yeah. yeah that's the, that's the, the
1: uphill co- climb for a mid-tier program is Purdue has yep. been very good at a lot of different things. They upset programs all the time, but it's not like Jeff Brom can keep guys there because the support structure, is not there to do that. And that's the same thing. Just scale it up. That's the same thing. Penn state, the situation they're in, or they were in earlier that James Franklin was trying to rectify.
0: Correct. Correct. And so that's what, that's what becomes uh, every year that this happens. And guess what? This, this has happened every year. It will continue to happen every year. Th- those are the battles that he is going to have to fight. Is, yeah. is is making sure that you don't lose Terry Smith to become a cornerbacks coach somewhere else like that that cannot happen right um you know guys guys who are valued and bring a lot to the staff you you just you can't let that happen um and so no i i think that that this this hire is interesting for a lot of reasons because yes you're trying to replace your defensive coordinator, but you also have to replace your linebackers coach. Yep. Is anybody else on the staff qualified to become a linebackers coach?
1: So that was going to be my next question is uh, previously Joe Lorig. This is something that I noticed immediately when he was hired as the special teams coordinator is he had extensive defensive coaching experience. And just like Anthony Poindexter, who came over as a co-defensive coordinator, somebody I'm not. I'm sure James Franklin didn't expect West Virginia West Virginia to be open this year as a as a coaching destination for Brent Pry, but he obviously has to expect Brent Pry is going to at some point get a head coaching job. Is that kind of the? Do you think that's fair to say that that was kind of a built in process to see if Lorg could be on that side of the ball, or is that just a happy bonus of a guy that was very good at special teams, who then has that experience as well?
0: No, I think I think that's a. I think that's a, a little bit of a happy bonus, but also just a make sense kind of a situation. You have your defensive coordinator is also the linebacker's coach. And so to give him help so that he can, right, in terms of individual periods, you, you name it, right. um, that, that helps. That helps to have a guy who's there for that. I, yeah. I don't think that Joe Lorg is – I mean, I would be surprised if – that was the type of move that they wanted to make, making moving Lorig off of special teams because they like him at special teams, right? Right, like that's right. that is he is a strong, strong special teams coordinator uh, in their minds, and so to 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 risk upsetting that and bringing in a new special teams coordinator so that Joe Lorig, I mean, you just see how this goes, it's, right? It, it is an endless cycle of right. You have to replace something. Uh, what fits what fits most nicely.
1: But either way, Penn State could be looking to replace three defensive coaches by the end of the week or the end of the month or whenever if Anthony Poindexter does leave to go to uh, Virginia. Virginia. So uh, it's it's going to be something we're monitoring, and Nate's going to be on top of all that, bluewhiteillustrated.com, if you want to get the latest information and read the full article of what Nate did, some some great research to go out, find each coach's resume, and rank them, I'm assuming, in a rough order of what you thought was most likely or most interesting to least whoa, likely. Whoa, whoa. I, I'm just saying. Alphabetic, alphabetical Alph- order here, pal. Alphabetical. Okay. No
0: preference shown.
1: It read interesting to me. So uh, I, it, it, The most interesting ones were at the top to me, so that's why I wondered. Uh, yeah. So the next thing I want to talk about is something that we've gone back and forth a lot about, and there's no reason to not talk about it again for a couple minutes here, is Sean Clifford and his decision that's looming this offseason. What what should Sean Clifford do and what should Penn State want in this situation from their fifth-year quarterback in terms of his ability to come back and play one more year at Penn State?
0: Yeah. um, Based on Penn State's situation at quarterback... In which, um, you know, they have a <clears throat> a young room outside of him, and a room that's going to get younger with two new true freshmen coming into the fold. Yep, I, I think that it has become fairly clear, and I reported on it that Penn State would like him to come back, um, or is offering him the opportunity to come back because that's. I think there are some niceties that you know we kind of talk around things. Yeah, occasionally I'm guilty of it. Um, the The NCAA bonus year is not applicable to everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, right. You don't get to pick. You don't. If you're the if you're a player and you want to come back, uh, you need the uh, gracious acceptance of the Penn State coaching staff to be able to do that. And so uh, this is a situation where. Penn State it it behooves Penn State it is to Penn State's benefit for Sean Clifford to come back even if even if and and trust me I understand some of the perceptions that are out there uh even if he, he doesn't win the job right like like I, I I know that sounds like an impossibility but if somebody comes in uh, who is so much better light years better, um, you know, I, 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 get that those are some of the conversations that are had about this, but th- there's just a dose of reality that needs to happen, which is true. Freshmen are exceedingly rare, who are able to step in and be very effective, right? As quarterbacks at right. this level, it just it just doesn't happen, and so it's not saying that it it never ever ever happens. Yes, sometimes it does and and certainly um you know with Drew Alar you know maybe that's a possibility. Maybe that becomes a possibility, but I think that you've done you've done the work, right? Like you yeah. you've looked at Alar
1: and I don't know, do you think he's ready? Like do you think he's there? So, no. Uh I, and and there's a there's a couple of reasons why, but it uh, does it matter if I say them again? Because I've said him a hundred times that first off, football's yeah. a really hard game, especially it's that really position. Hard. To understand yep. the differences and the nuances in the moment, because in high school he's operating a, a more robust passing attack. But I watched a game where the defense played one coverage the entire game. Nobody moved. Every safety, every linebacker, every corner was in the exact same spot. That's not reading. That's just picking your favorite stick route. If you're, if you're, if they're playing cover three every single game. So there's just going to be so many things he's literally never seen before. And yes, he's a he's an early enrollee. But is that enough time for you to learn all of the things, or enough enough of the offense to get into and get out of the huddle, and to operate a basic? offense. And then you have to throw on top of the fact that the quarterback, his job is also to make up for the mistakes of the offensive line, the receivers and the running backs. Can he do any of those things when cuz he's got the ball in his hands every single play? That I, to me the answer is you've got to be kidding me. Because most of the true freshmen that we've seen start and be very good. And I'll give you two examples because they're the ones that everyone points to. Andrew Luck was in a run first offense at uh at Stanford where they ran the ball, three tight ends, play action, throw the ball down the field. He was very good at that, and I'm not trying to take away what he did, but he was not driving the offense. And then you have uh, um, Trevor Lawrence, who was in a very simple offense at Clemson surrounded by some of the best talent collected at one school at one point on offense the reason that Clemson's offense works the only reason is because they get absurd talent at every part of the field so that's just a nutshell of all those things here's my problem Nate getting back to Sean Clifford I can't unsee this I cannot unsee what I saw on film this year, and then what the data backed up is Sean Clifford's critical problem. He cannot, and I mean bottom five in power football, operate under pressure this year. When he was in a clean pocket, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Can you guarantee him a clean pocket next year?
0: I just wonder how that i wonder how that number uh, evolved from the first half of the season to the second half of the season.
1: I have those numbers, evolve. actually. Uh, okay. so before Iowa so if you consider the first five games when Penn State was 5-0 and the PFF grade was 50 which is in line with what a standard quarterback plays like under pressure it's not good but no quarterback performs better under pressure over time cumulatively you can have individual performances of players but if you include the Iowa game which goes up into the hit and nothing after his grade under pressure was 39 it was 28 after that game. So the, the the hit did have an effect, but in the game against a good defense before he was injured, he also played so poorly that it dropped that number by 15 grade points, you know, in yeah. the PFF system. So it, yeah. it's it's, to me, it's it has been the key to attacking Sean Clifford for Big Ten defenses because it, he did not do well under pressure last year another situation where he was under pressure a lot. I think that's also yep. a fair assessment of the Penn State uh, offense under Kirk Shiraka was he was constantly under pressure and he didn't know where to go with the football.
0: Yep. Who? Who, and this is always a problem. I'm not going to do this to you, <laughs> but I'm going to make a point.
1: Okay. Who's in the transfer portal that can do better, (laughs) right? Like, (laughs) it's interesting you say that. I did bring up several candidates that I thought were very good yesterday. The two, and I I apologize, I deleted the slides to make room for all of our stuff today. Uh, Dylan Gabriel of UCF and Miles Brennan, previously recruited by uh, Mike Yersich to Oklahoma State in 2017. Both guys fit the mold of a one-year starter, maybe, especially Brennan, who Mike Yersich sees as a fit for the offense, who might be interested in coming to Penn State to get one more year to put film out for NFL scouts. Um, yeah. Now, both of those guys, I did some research today. Since doing the video yesterday, they've been linked to other schools that aren't Penn State. But I just... I I, I have a hard time thinking you're going to get any different results next year if you bring Clifford back.
0: Yeah, that could... I mean... Look, it could be. <laughs> it could be. I, I, I don't have... Uh, An answer. I think that I understand the the framework of the predicament, right? Like, right. you just you don't you don't want to have to rely on Christian Veiu with two true freshmen as his backups, right. right? I mean, obviously, we're making some assumptions about Tequan Roberson here, but um, you know, what are you going to do? Like, yeah. Like, what are you going to do? I mean, uh, this
1: this goes back to the question Penn State fans had last offseason was Penn State too conservative and narrow in their approach to going to find a quarterback in the transfer portal. You had to thread the needle of a guy that would wait behind Clifford for one year, and then that guy has to assume or hope that he would have a chance to start for one year, which at this point... I think anyone who turned down that opportunity sees the writing on the wall of Clifford didn't play well enough to go to the NFL, but he played just well enough that Penn State might want to have him back. So that comes down to, to me, you're dancing with the devil you know because you're afraid to go dance with somebody new. And, And I think that that is... If there's one criticism I have, it's that for as much as James Franklin goes for things on fourth down and for much as he wants to be aggressive with the football and throw the football down the field, there is that old school, that conservatism there of these things have worked. So therefore I want to do it this way. And to me, that's what Clifford represents.
0: Yeah. But I I think, and again, I mean, this is, this is where things always derail, but There is something to be said for Sean Clifford being well liked by his teammates. Yeah. Versus introducing an element that you have no idea. (laughs) Yeah. You you just, you, it is, it is really, really hard to make that leap if you haven't had or maintained a prior relationship with the guy that you're bringing in. Right. There are, there are positions, and I mean, you saw it. Like it, it, it is going to become a frequent, you know, element of the game where you're, you're constantly bringing in different positions to fill gaps and to fill needs. Yep. But quarterback is respectfully different. It just is, it is, it is a different ingredient and a different element to, to a football team and how a football team is constructed and conducts itself. So I I, I get it. it. It's complicated. And there are things that, yeah, at this point, five years in you, if you don't know what you're getting from Sean Clifford, you're not paying attention, <laughs> right? Like right. he's not going to make some dramatic improvement in any specific area from this year to next year necessarily, if that's what he decides to do. Um, you know, I think his accuracy was improved this year. I think he threw, yes. the, now yep. granted it probably helped having Jahan Dotson who catches everything in the zip code, but... Point being, is, I mean he, he yeah, can't they're... throw he
1: can't throw a go route, but other than that, he's a good quarterback. He has to okay. avoid two whole zones of the field, but other than that, he can throw accurately to all parts of the field. I, I agree I, I'm being a little bit facetious, but also I agree with you that the the terribleness and some of the terrible plays from twenty twenty and even from twenty nineteen, those aren't there anymore. He is a improved quarterback with Mike Yursich. And that is the hope that next year, with even more familiarity, even more comfort, and hopefully a better offensive line in front of him if you're a Penn State football fan, then it's not all on him. And running backs who provide pass protection. Right, right.
0: And tight ends who do it occasionally, yeah. as opposed to whiffing. So, yeah, uh, <clears throat> you know, look, it is... Uh, it is it is an interesting proposition. We're going to have to see where this goes and, and what he decides on, you know, what what does he want to do with his career? What does he want to do right. with his future? Um, you know, that's why, that's why it appears that the ball is in his court right now for him to make a decision to that end. But um, you know, we'll, we'll uh, we'll see what happens over these next, next couple of weeks.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I just, before we close out here, I just want to say, Like As much as I have these opinions and as much as I see these things and I point them out, I don't have to make these decisions. So to your point, I don't have to go out and find a quarterback to lead my football team that I'm not comfortable with. I don't have to evaluate the, the intangible personal variable. I just get to report on what I see from the result. And there's a lot that goes into making the sausage. And from Sean Clifford's point of view, I get to evaluate his play in the context of the environment of he and Jahan Dotson were the offense. Yep. There was no backstop. He was the backstop. but that's the So that's the thing is, Sean Clifford is not a quarterback that can elevate a whole team. And there are so few that do. So it's unfair to then say he is unviable as a starter. The question then becomes to you, Nate, that I want to end the show on, can Penn State improve around him on offense enough to to win with him that the offense and the team are better in 2022? Because it's we know what Clifford is. You can win with him if you give him a clean pocket. End of story. Do you yep. think they can be good enough next year to make that a reality? Uh,
0: they will need different players or improved players from what they currently have to do so. Because that uh, honestly, I, I wrote a uh, column this week after the All Big Ten teams came out on offense and it, it was the most striking thing to me because look naturally when your offense performs as poorly as this one did this season, you're not gonna expect a ton of individual accolade. Yeah. But you expect some. <laughs> right? Like, like I mean right. uh between between the first, second and third team offense plus honorable mentions there's a lot of opportunity for you to get on one of those teams yeah penn state couldn't do that right like they had a bunch they had a a, a few honorable mentions which by the way happens when anyone of the vote if, if people don't know this if if anyone among the media or coaches gives a guy one vote right for honorable mention they'll make honorable mention. Like, you don't need three, four, five votes to get into. There's no tier for honorable mention. You immediately make it if anybody votes for you. So it's a very low bar. <laughs> <laughs> they had
1: Rasheed Walker, right?
0: Uh, oh. Rashid was a third-team... Media selection, okay, was right. was not a coach's selection. Yeah, uh, Brenton Strange was a media honorable mention. Sean Clifford was media and coaches honorable mention. <clears throat> I'm missing somebody. Mike Miranda was a okay. I get it.
1: I get it. I get it. Okay. Yeah. So that's so, not great. Uh, You're gonna yeah. need some better players.
0: <laughs> no, but look, like my my. Sorry, I'm talking around this. Uh, It wasn't like they were a guy away. Right. Right? Like when you look at this offense and the problems that it had this season, it's, it's not as though Clifford inhibited them from reaching their full potential. It's that they didn't have the guys at running back, at tight end, at receiver after Jahan Dotson. Parker Washington was good. He probably deserved an honorable mention. I would agree. Um, But on the offensive line, obviously on the offensive line, right? Like, so that uh, for those doing the math, that's all of the offense. Yeah. (laughs) Other than quarterback (laughs) and one wide receiver, that's all of the offense that needs to be not just better than this year, like markedly better. Yeah. Demonstrably better.
1: You've already you've already turned me around. You've uh, The car is now in neutral. I was headed down freeway, transfer portal quarterback. You have me in neutral. I'm on the side of the road. I'm thinking about it. So there we go. Nate Bauer here on the BWI Daily Edition to end the week. Thanks so much for coming on.
0: Hey, thanks for having me. Great times.
1: Don't forget, we'll be coming back next week with more information. As news breaks, BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. Sign up for just $1 for our $1 special. We'll talk to you later.